Are you guys ready to go heavy woo-woo? Like, I'm talking altars, goddesses, and oracle cards. If you answered yes, then you are in the right place. And that place is here with me, Jennifer Perkins, on the Creative Queso Podcast. Today, I am chatting with an author, an illustrator, and the manifesting maven that is Anne Shin. You may know her by a little book I see on literally every end cap called Bad Girls Throughout History. Anne is here on the Creative Queso podcast, fresh off the heels of a prestigious artist residency with Disney at their Wonderground Gallery and heavy into promoting her latest book, Legendary Ladies, 50 Goddesses to Empower and Inspire You, as well as the companion How to Be Legendary Goddess Journal for Finding Your Power. Just like everyone else, I'm, you know, dipping my toe into the world of woo-woo-ery. Because, you know, at the end of the day, whether or not it works, frankly, crystals look pretty sitting in a bowl on my coffee table. And you know what? When I had my aura photographed, it was a rainbow. And really, who doesn't like rainbows? I don't even want to know people that don't like rainbows. Plus, meditation and affirmations, they're pretty much good for everybody. When I saw Anne post about her new guided journal on Instagram, I knew I had to have her on the podcast to talk about not only just her journey as an artist and as a small business owner, but also about the endlessly interesting content in the Legendary Ladies series. Ever wanted your own guided workbook about moon phases and rituals for communing? Look no further than Anne Shen. All right. Hello, Anne, and welcome to the Creative Queso Podcast. Hi, Jennifer. Thanks for having me. Uh, well, I I am glad you're here. I kind of feel like, I say this to all my guests, but I feel like we've been hanging out for like the last couple of days because, you know, I have to cyber stalk everybody to research them. Mm-hmm. And so like yesterday, I was listening to you on the Forever 35 and Raise Your Hand and Say Yes podcast. Oh, <laughs> I'm pretty much blaming you for the $150 vitamin C serum I bought this morning. Oh, no. I I didn't recommend one. (laughs) No, you didn't. But I was like listening to you going like, I do need to go get that that serum. I've been out for way too long. And then I was thinking about like, how are your lashes doing? Are they still holding up well? Yeah, (laughs) they're great. Good. Okay, good. Yes. No, I had had them for a while too. I feel you on that special face wash. Yeah. action you gotta avoid those eyes you really did do your research I love it I know I did well you know when I started listening I was like oh this doesn't really have anything to do with what we're going to talk about but I was like but I can't stop listening and I want (laughs) to furiously take notes on everything they're talking about I mean it's my passion in life to talk about skincare so and it totally was a departure from what I do normally (laughs) oh my god like you need to do like that's your next book right there the ladies of beauty like you could do like (laughs) Elizabeth Arden Mary Kay it would be really interesting Right. I could see it. I could see it already. Well, it was funny because when I was when I was listening to the Forever 35 one, which I loved, I'd never listened to that one before, but I always say I'm going to Forever 41. Um, <laughs> they mentioned like you brought all your products and have it laid out. And in my mind, this is before I realized like we're about to talk makeup all the time. And I was thinking about all of your like 
product products, like all the clothes you have in the books. And I was like, all right, here we go. Now we're getting to the part that I'm here for. And then I was like, oh no, we're going into like sheet masks. Yeah. But anyway. (laughs) This is a skincare self-care podcast. What? Yeah. I realize that that now and I enjoy that. But speaking, speaking of all those products, so how many books and journals and card sets do you have out now with Chronicle? I mean, I know you have tons of stuff on your site, but. Yeah, I have two books that are officially out. Um, Bad Girls Throughout History is my first one. And then Legendary Ladies is my second one. Um, For Bad Girls, we have a journal with the artwork in it that's just lined and artwork. And then we have a 2019 agenda planner. We have a greeting card set. And then for Legendary Ladies, we just released a guided journal um, with goddess practices in it and then a note card set for that too. And I think that's everything that's out, out. We also have a 2020 Bad Girls wall calendar coming out soon. Ooh. Yeah. Like, I mean, you can never, I'm one of those people that even though I have 17 journals, I keep buying more journals. Oh, same. You know, and I have a gazillion like prompt books that I haven't finished, but I keep buying more prompt books. Like one day I'm going to sit down and finish this. So um, I heard you say on a previous podcast that the bad girls kind of started out originally as a zine. Is that correct? Correct. Oh, and so did you publish that under the pen name Anne Danger or did you go with Anne Shen? (laughs) It's all under Anne Shen. Anne Danger is only for my social media because I thought social media when I first started was going to be like a secret like alternative <laughs> thing. So I was like, what would my like secret superhero name be? I mean, not very secret because obviously it's still my first name, but um, it was under my name. It was actually a school project for my last like year in art school. Mm. And we were just supposed to do whatever we wanted, just make 10 editions of it. And so I made a zine. And I made a zine about women who were the first to do something in their field because I was personally struggling with trying to find my voice in this art field that is actually pretty predominantly male still. And so I was look and I was just looking for people who experienced the same struggles and reminding myself like everybody is like this before they do something big in their lives. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, it's amazing that it's gone from, like, a zine to now. Like, I feel like I can't roll up to a store without seeing bad girls throughout history on an end cap. I think the day we were talking, I went to, like, World Market, and I was like, whoop, there it is. That makes me so happy to hear. (laughs) Right? Yeah, no, I mean, it's like, it's like you're practically a household name when it comes to books. It's pretty amazing. Well, my book is. (laughs) Probably not me, but the cover of the book is, yeah. Well, you know, but because it's real cute and it's got real good stuff, as <laughs> as does How to Be Legendary, which I am loving. And that's kind of how you and I connected to do the whole, like, podcast thing because, yeah. you know, I saw that you posted about the How to Be Legendary, a goddess journal for finding your power, which is kind of the companion book. That's the journal we were describing. Mm-hmm. And we were kind of talking over Instagram about our love of the woo-woo. Mm-hmm. So can you kind of, you know, give a description of the journal to the listeners? Yes. So it's a journal that covers um, goddess practices since my second book, Legendary Ladies, covered um, 50 goddesses from all different cultures and their mythologies. And it had a little bit of um, how to work with them and guidance. But I got a lot of requests about how to work with goddesses 
deeper. And so my idea for this journal was to introduce that um, in a way that feels modern and fresh and relatable to how we would work with goddesses now. Because a lot of goddess practices before were for, you know, paying tribute to them for um, a good harvest or (laughs) fertility Mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, And now I feel like with the um, revolution in self-care that we're having now, there's a lot more self-reflection and self-compassion that we could take on and use assistance with goddesses on. No. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Why do you, do you have any theories? I was thinking about that. Why this, why we're having this like renaissance slash resurgence of kind of new agey step, you know, it kind of seems to wax and wane, you know, it was like popular in the seventies and then I think it made it come back in the eighties. And I know I had crystals in the (laughs) nineties and then, you know what I mean? And then like now they're back. You have any theories on that? Well, I was reading in my research for this book, I was reading about the different um, astrological ages. And I think we're in, we recently just entered, I want to say it's the age of Aquarius, but don't quote me on it. I could be wrong. um, Where it's all about um, spiritual enlightening, opening our mind's eye, finding our own individual power, where we just came out of a 2000 year um, age where it was all about, I think it was the age of Pisces where it was all about just like going with the flow and letting institutions rule, which is what we saw in the last 2000 years. Um, and now we're in this new age and era where we're waking, awakening up to our own individual power and our power within our communities and how much we can do, um, ourselves and not waiting for an institution to do it for us. So when I found that in my research, I was like, this explains exactly what's happening. I mean, there's so much cultural stuff happening too, but I feel Mm -hmm. like on a, on that woo woo scale, I was like, this is exactly what's happening. We're all waking up to our own power. Yeah, no, I, I find that like, not, it's just funny. It keeps being a theme Yeah, with everybody I interview in the podcast. And it's funny because some people are more like open about their love of the woo woo than others. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Some might be still like closeted woo-woo lovers, you know, (laughs) and then other people are just like shouting it from the rooftops, but I love it. But it does definitely seem to be this, you know, and everybody may not be, you know, building an altar, but definitely people are starting to talk about like manifesting and abundance and meditating, you know, they're kind of baby stepping into it. Yeah, totally. And I think it's, it's funny. You kind of have to gauge your audience. I don't really talk about it like obviously my work has been about it, but I don't talk about it a lot when I give talks because I'm talking about, you know, the practical brass tacks of the business that I'm in. Mm-hmm. And my husband always asks me like, are you going to talk about your witchcraft? <laughs> that is what my <laughs> husband says every single time. I'm oh, like, I love it. what do you think? I'm like sacrificing lambs in the backyard. Like, I what mean, are you talking about? Cleansing some crystals under the full moon. Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. I mean, come on. What is weird about that? Right. <laughs> <laughs> So funny. My husband is the exact same. But it's, I mean, it's half of the practice, right? But it's silly or it just depends on your crowd, who you're talking to, if they're going to be like, okay, this is helpful. Or um, what is she talking about? Right. Is she she will start. <laughs> you're in the cult of legendary ladies. Hi. <laughs> I like it. It could happen. It could happen. So, yeah, but the, you know, even, even if you are not like a woo-woo person at all, I definitely think that Legendary Ladies, both the book and the guided journal 
have lots of things for people. I mean, it's really interesting, the history of all these amazing women. And I love that you, you know, scoured so many different cultures. I mean, did you go into this like, oh, I know so many already? Or did you have to like, God oh. bless the internet. Can you imagine doing that book before the internet? I know. Like, I know. like old books. school Dewey Decimal <laughs> System. Like, I definitely whoa. do dive into the library and what they have for resources. But it is funny how outdated some of the books are, um, especially for something like Goddesses. I think people stopped writing about them in the 90s. And they're pretty <laughs> – they all look a certain way. Um, but I was – I started off making a list, and I realized how – slanted towards the Greek and Roman pantheon it was. And so I made a very concerted effort to pull out and search for goddesses in all different continents and cultures. Just so, Mm -hmm. um, because with Legendary Ladies, it started off with the idea of, besides covering just goddesses from different cultures, it started off with the idea of like, how did we get here? I started it maybe the fall of 2016 after the election here in the US. And it was just like, I had grown up, you know, in the 90s with, you know, girl power and thinking we were all equal and everything was fair. Whereas now we're realizing as adults, I think all the women and people who grew up during that time realized, oh, that was all just like marketing and we're not still equal in, you know, any place of power. And so I wanted to go back and think about how did this get established in cultures? Was it always like this? What, um, what is it like in other cultures where we start with something like religion, where what people believe in the creation of themselves, the creation of humans and how we are and what were our purposes. And so that's getting boo boo again. But so I started thinking about, okay, it hasn't always been this patriarchal society because we know about goddesses, especially Greek and Roman. And so I started searching for different goddesses in different cultures and finding that a lot of them are part of, are all part of the like, uh, creation of a lot of cultures like people it wasn't just one god it was many gods and many cultures had many gods in their pantheon that they believed in that helped them in their everyday lives that made things the way they are like before they had really science um gods and goddesses were their science for like why is there weather like this where why are the tides go you know it was just mm-hmm. really interesting to think that everything was alive and had this embodiment in it and they were gods and goddesses to the people because they were running this beautiful giant entire planet, right? And so just that idea and getting back into nature as our ultimate uh, like root of who we are as humans, that we're all part of this. So that was really interesting to see how different cultures treated it too. Like mm-hmm. in um, Hindu culture, it was really fascinating to me that god and goddesses, like male and female goddesses, had to be paired together to act. Like males had a gift or talent, but they had to be paired with a female goddess in order to activate it. And then that oh. really speaks to just this whole w- within ourselves, there's this divinity of uniting these two forces our light and our dark side, our, you know, masculine um Mm -hmm. energy and our passive energy to become our like most empowered selves isn't that fascinating just like that balance of the two I loved no I was yeah I was reading that in the book and I was like like just the you know the dichotomy and the differences and the way you're explaining it I was like this is fascinating it is 
I could tell you like were passionate about it and like did a deep, you know, not just as an illustrator. I mean, you did like a deep dive, like it's an interesting like book on the history of all these people that, you know, and it's, I was like looking at it going like, I should read this with my daughter. Like she'd be interested to know who these people are and, you know, and and she'd learn about all these different cultures. It's so interesting too, because so much of it is like, there are a lot of Native American goddesses where they talk about the creation and how we're all connected and all this stuff. And we live in their lands. And it's just so, if like when I was researching their stories, it felt like, oh, this is our history as Americans of what it was like to, like, the the history and, like, the stories that people told who were native to this land, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. And it was just no, totally. really, it's really fascinating. And, you know, I find, too, whenever I've done, a, and I've not done the deep dive, you have, but a lot of these cultures have, you know, if you look at it, on a, you know, on a, a line, I guess, like a lot of these goddesses are kind of the same people, but just yeah. different names in yes. different countries. You know, it's like, oh, oh we call her, we call her this or they call her that, you know, but it's like, but you're kind of talking about the same person. Totally. Which really also showed how much, even without the internet, <laughs> like people in all these vastly different countries and cultures all value the same things. Mm-hmm. And it was very it helped me feel even more connected. It was really interesting too, that the ones that would travel, the stories of goddesses that would travel more would be ones that were like patrons of sailors, patrons of luck or weather, Uh because they would be traveling with the people, the sailors. Yeah. I saw a few mermaids in there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. A few, a few people with fins got illustrated. I didn't (laughs) notice that. (laughs) So did, you know, with this, uh, spiritual awakening that everyone's kind of having, you know, did Chronicle come to you and say, hey, this would be a great idea for your next book? Or was it something you were already kind of into and you came to them and was like, hey, I got an idea for part two of Legendary Ladies? Oh, for about, you mean for? Part yeah, two, part. Yeah, the second book, yeah. the follow-up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my editor actually came up with the idea of, she approached me about doing a book about mythical women, maybe goddesses, however I wanted to shape it. And that was basically the extent of it. So then I kind of developed the idea further of what I wanted to explore with this book. And so I did some preliminary research and gathering and decided to focus just on goddesses because there was so much content there already. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's how it developed. And you've got what? There's 50 Yes. In the book. Was there any like that you left out or were you just like grasping at straws for 50? Like, I can't find Oh, no. There were definitely more. I mean, there are goddesses of all things, like even small things like seafoam. But for (laughs) – so to help me shape this book, I um, have the five categories that they're um, separated into, like creativity, manifestation, love, power, reinvention, things like that, that were themes for similar goddesses that I found across different cultures. Um, and then we included a couple more new ones for the note card set. And then I actually have, I haven't announced it yet, but I have an Oracle set coming out next year that we just wrapped up. So it should be coming Ooh. out next spring. That includes, I think, eight more new goddesses. Well, the next thing I was going to ask you is who was your favorite goddess to draw? Because my favorite is the, I'm not going to say this right, Kali. Oh, yeah. K-A-L-I. Yeah. And I liked it because, you know, she's blue and she's in your beautiful feminine style that you do, but she's just like, 
cool and casually holding a severed head like it's a product bag <laughs> I was just like I just like her like hey I'm so pretty oh wait is that a severed head in my hand yeah and a is. belt of skulls or baby arms right <laughs> the baby arms I know I was just like yes she is beautiful and fierce so who is your favorite oh my gosh. draw she was definitely one of my favorites she turned out just as I imagined um, which is not always the case. Sometimes they take on a different form once they start to form. I also really liked, um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right either, but Hecat. Oh, is that the one with the three heads? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How I know that? You can tell I've yeah, really been doing my research. Really I liked did. that one a lot too. I thought that was a really cool picture. Um, and then, gosh, I don't know. There's so many new ones that are coming out with the deck that are really good too. Ooh, I'll have to... I'll have to hit them up to send me yeah. some or get on get it on pre-order. That sounds amazing. Yeah. You know, another thing, speaking of the Kali, and who knows if you're saying this right, you know, when you like read something in your mind, you like start pronouncing it a certain mm-hmm. way and you're like, that's totally right. And then you like publicly say it and you're like, that's probably totally not right. But anyway, I did notice that the head was missing from the cover yes. out of his hand. That's, why is that? very observant. Um, I have they, a theory on well, it, but tell me why. they actually asked me to take it out for the cover because it was facing um, Gaia, like, right in the face. And they were just like, it just feels really weird of a juxtaposition. And so I was like, oh, oh okay. okay. I mean, I didn't agree, but it wasn't something that I felt that strongly about. So that's uh-huh. that's the reason. <laughs> Oh, okay. I didn't know if they were like, well, because once upon a time I wrote a book called Naughty Secretary mm-hmm. Club. It has nothing to do with, you know, the, as the name implies, it was about jewelry. <laughs> but, you know, uh, at the time, places like Hobby Lobby and stuff wouldn't carry the book because of the word naughty. Uh... And I was like, it is not the F word. It is the word naughty. Yeah. I swear it's not a bad word. So in my mind, I wondered like if they were just like, oh, if it's got a severed head on it, can't be on an end cap. Like, maybe I didn't they, know if it was some, on like... on a deeper level they were thinking that or on the sales level, but they didn't mention that to me. They just asked me if I would be okay with redoing that part. And I was like, and that reason about um, Gaia, and I was like, yeah, I, I get it. I mean, I sent it to them and I said, I prefer it stay, <laughs> but... You know. Yeah, I know. You pick your yeah. battles when you're working exactly. with publishers. It's like everything else looks good. Okay, I'll take the separate head yeah. off. Whatever. <laughs> you, got, you guys know best. Yeah, that's, that's how it goes. Yeah, it totally is. You gotta, you gotta learn to give and take when you're working with those people. Um, you know, something else I was gonna ask you about is I'm kind of new to this whole procreate in like iPad thing oh, because yeah. I've recently become friends with Amy Tan, and so she she keeps trying to tell me to get up on the having a iPad and the procreate. Now, do you draw and procreate or do you like, is that all like watercolor or is it a mix? I don't understand how it all works. (laughs) So for my books, I actually still paint them all traditionally just because I feel like it's something that's part of my archive and my personal work that Mm -hmm. um, I want to have something tangible, like a painting. Um, When I work for clients or when I'm just doing something quick and fun, um, I usually work digitally. I do have an iPad with Procreate, and I use that more for casual sketching. I really like that it has that process video you can export to show. Um, that's always really oh, nice to share that as a behind the scenes of like how long it takes to do a drawing or all the things that go into a drawing. Um, but I don't really do finished work in it. 
I usually will get a sketch to a pretty good point and then I upload it into my Dropbox and take it onto my computer with my Cintiq, which is a large tablet that I draw on. The screen is the um, tablet. And that's usually how I do my finished work. Oh, see, that's all just like, it's like when I started a podcast, I was like, but how do I get my voice inside this little box? Like, <laughs> yeah. Every- you know what I mean? Yes. I'm just like, I don't understand how this works. I thought though, but I was looking at the pictures and I was like, gosh, there's so much detail in there. Like there's no way she's not hand painting those. I mean, they're so beautiful. Each one could be, that's the next thing you need is one of those like books where you can like tear out each page yeah. and like frame it. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. Maybe that's what I'll do with some of those cards, some of the greeting cards yeah. on there. I mean, people have bought like multiple copies of the books just to cut out the um, pages, which I'm like... Because people ask me for prints, and I'm like, well, the book is $20, and a print is $20. If you could just buy a book and cut them all out. Right? right? And then you have a hundred I mean, prints. I've done that before. Yeah. yeah, I've done that before a million times with, like, an art book. Yeah, right? Because I'm just like, you know, it's it's a better deal for you guys. <laughs> right. I'm just thinking of you and the yeah. little run. And plus, I mean, the, the paper quality is nice. It is and if really it's in nice. a frame, yeah. like nobody's gonna know well it's beautiful they're all beautiful thank you they did a great job reproducing it yeah I love it I mean I love all chronicle books but I loved all of your books they were all very pretty so you went to school actually to be a writer and then later decided to pursue art this is another common theme I find with everybody I interview like well, not necessarily this exact scenario, but like, for instance, I have a degree in psychology. Am I using that degree at all? No, but a lot of people, you know what I mean, went to school for this one thing yeah. and then they're doing something kind of opposite. You're not exactly doing polar opposite, though. No. Like, you're you're still writing yeah. quite a bit, actually. It all came together in a beautiful way, but I really did put writing down for about 10 years when I restarted a new whole new career and also I was writing fiction in undergrad and so it's slightly different than what I do now which is mostly nonfiction. Um, mm-hmm. I'm hoping to get back into the fiction world as I go further down in my career but right now I'm in a really lovely place excavating all these stories and reteaching myself history from a feminist lens um, and yeah, it's it's nice that it came back. I mean, it was always a skill that you'll use no matter what writing. Um, but again, it's yeah, they came back together in a wonderful way because when I was able to pitch my book, I was able just to say like, I just want to write it too, and nobody was like, "Who are you to write it?" Yeah, because I think they don't. That, those two don't always go together. No. You know what I mean? Being this wonderful illustrator and also a very, you know, articulate writer you know being able to tell the story of your picture those aren't always like hand in hand and you you do a really wonderful job with both thank you so much I never I almost get never never get any comments on my writing which I assume just means like it's fine it's adequate. usually people are like oh the artwork is so beautiful and I I just think well nonfiction writing when it's good it's seamless and it's invisible you're not like this is great writing or it's you know, bad. You notice when it's bad, but you don't mm-hmm. notice when it's well, done well. So that's what I tell myself. I'm, I mean, I w- was reading it and I was like, dang, like she's smart and artsy. Oh, like, this, 
Yeah, so which makes me not sound very smart the way I phrased that, but you know what I I mean. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right, so we're gonna go. We're gonna go back to the woo woo because that's what that's what I thought would be fun for us to talk about. So I wanted you to talk about manifesting. To me, that seems to be a real like hot topic. And obviously, within your career, you've had some amazing highlights, even beyond these gorgeous books. You just wrapped up an artist residency with Disney at. There is it Wonderground? Yes. Is that what it is? Yeah, Wonderground Gallery. I was like, dang, now that is pretty, pretty stinking amazing. So obviously you already have like the arty skills and we all know you can write, but what are some what are some tips for aspiring creatives trying to manifest themselves some awesome? Oh my gosh, make a list, write it down. Right. That's really how I did it. I just talk about um, when I was in art school, I had a business teacher who was talking about just the power of writing down a list every night before you go to bed of your goals. And he made us do that like as a exercise. And I continued to do that well into my first few years outside of school. Cause I had all these goals I wanted to achieve. And, um, and I, I also made a list of clients, like dream clients I wanted to work with and things I wanted to do in my career that seemed crazy and possible, like publish a book, work with Disney, you know, be an anthropology, things like that, that have all happened in the last, just in pretty early on, actually, in my career, they happened so fast that I ran out of things and had a identity crisis afterwards, because I didn't make big (laughs) enough goals. Um, But honestly, there's just so much power in writing down your list, your manifestation list, updating it, um, revisiting it every night, every week, every month, adjusting. Um, and just, I, I really believe there's a lot of power in writing it right before you go to sleep, because I think your brain, your subconscious that you enter into when you're asleep, then works on pulling all those connections to how that can happen. And that's when you'll wake up and suddenly think, oh, I'm going to reach out to this friend or, oh, I haven't talked to this person, or I think I'm going to go to this store today, or I'm going to look on this website today. You get those little like downloads from the universe. And when you get Mm -hmm. that and you follow that, Oftentimes, it's connecting more dots for you down the line to make your manifestations come true. No, yeah, absolutely. And it's like, I think a lot of people, we use the word manifestation, but I mean, really, it's it's goal setting. You know, if you want to talk about it and like, if woo-woo makes you uncomfortable, like it's just writing down your your goals and the things that you want to happen. And it's funny how many super successful people I hear talk about it in that way. Like, I know Rachel Hollis is a very polarizing person for some people, but I was watching, she has some special on Amazon and she was talking about how she would like refer to herself as a New York Times bestseller, even long before she ever wrote a book. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? And so people that I, I find that with a lot of people, the people, they just already thought of themselves in that way, like had that mindset. Mm -hmm. You know, if you read any like Napoleon Hill or Mm -hmm. I've been reading that book. Have you ever read Feeling is the Reason? I think that's what it's called. I'm writing it down though. That sounds interesting. A fellow woo-wooer who was on the podcast recently, my friend Ed Roth, he has a company called Stencil One. I think that's the name of it. I'll put it in the show notes. But that guy has a whole chapter on exactly what you're saying. Make your list. Think about your goals and what you're manifesting right before you go to sleep yeah. to kind of like kind of prime the universe. Yeah. So, and you could write it in your legendary lady's journal, yeah. those goals. Yes. There's a whole <laughs> section about that. And I right. um, pull in a little bit more like woo-woo stuff I do now. 
um, which involves like a citrine crystal because it's for success and abundance. Um, Got one in my wallet right now. And um, an adventuring, which is for good luck and um, really good timing, which I think is everything. And then also doing it at a certain time in the lunar cycle, doing it during a new moon is especially good because you're opening a new cycle of 28 days with the moon. And that these are just like little woo-woo things that you could do to kind of like boost your manifestation powers. And so Mm -hmm. I think it's always fun just to add those in. I always get like a candle too that I like to light and from my crystal store just to light at the beginning of the year or at the beginning of a big project that you burn all the way through with your intention. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'll do that with my manifestation now too. Man. No wonder your husband's worried. I mean, that's, <laughs> he's really you. into You're... it now, actually, because oh, well, he's awesome. seen how much I've manifested in such a short time that he believes in it. He has crystals right? on his desk at work. And... Oh, I love it. Yeah, my husband's like suddenly started to be all like, we know what you put out into the universe. You know, yeah. and he's always been like, <laughs> like the curmudgeon guy, you know, and now suddenly I hear him talking woo-woo and I'm like, ooh, what? What just came out yeah. of your mouth? And, <laughs> Did you just say something optimistic and hopeful about <laughs> vibes? I heard that. Yeah, and we do our um, – we have a New Year's ritual where we get an abundance candle and we write down our manifestations and we fold them and seal them with a candle wax once it's done. And then we read it again the next year to see what happens. Oh, I love it. So it's just like nice to have little rituals. I think it's the ritual itself too that just really gets you in touch with empowering yourself to do it, right? Yeah. And it's like, it's no matter what you call it. Like if the word like ritual, like, you know, I'm in Texas. If the word ritual <laughs> makes you like, like a little scared yeah. and you feel like you need to go to church, like all they're, all anyone is saying is like, write down some New Year's resolutions, write down some goals, yeah. write down, you know, a list of things you want. And, you know, and like you were saying, doing it with a lunar cycle isn't any different than writing it down on January 1st. Right. Exactly. It's just another cycle, right? January 1st is like the sun, the solar cycle, but exactly. there are like 13 lunar cycles a year that you can tap into. Exactly. You don't have to, you don't have to be like mid January, like, Oh, screwed my diet up. Guess I'll wait till next January. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you could start over again in the next month. So um, on another episode or somewhere I read or when I was cyber stalking you for the interview, mm-hmm. um, I saw that you had kind of gotten into this whole thing of like a lot of self-care, which I also think ties into a lot of this stuff. Yeah. After you kind of realized you were burning it at both ends, do you, is that how kind of how some of this got started? Like, yeah. So I was super, super burnt out. Um, I had gone back to school in my mid-20s, gone back to art school in my mid-20s, put myself through school, straight through the program. I was always working while I was in school, like part-time jobs. I had three internships one summer at the same time. And then afterwards, I was working full-time in design jobs and freelance illustrating on the side until basically I couldn't do both anymore because I wasn't sleeping or doing anything but work or commuting. And so then I had to choose and I decided to take a leap and work for myself. And then that made me work even harder because then I had to prove to myself that I could do this. Like my goal that year was to make as much as I did at my salary job. And I did that and exceeded it and then doubled it and then doubled that. And 
And then (laughs) coming out of those three years, I was super burnt out. My first book had come out. It was um, like really picking up and doing well, which was just a huge relief to me because I thought I would just do what maybe get to do one book in my life and hope. (laughs) You're like, here it is. Mark it off the bucket list. Yeah, exactly. And then hope and pray I get to do another one. But we had already done my second book deal before my first book even came out. So I had written a second book pretty much like three months after my first book had already come out and I was doing all the artwork for it. I was doing my residency at Disney. I was still taking on a lot of client work that were bigger projects and basically just doing it all by myself. Um, and I was just so burnt out and I didn't know where I was going, what I wanted out of my career anymore. I felt like, oh no, my first book did really well. Now there's more pressure. Like there's going to be pressure either way (laughs) if it doesn't do well, but it does well. And I was just like, what else do I want? And I felt greedy for wanting more. But at the same time, I didn't know, I couldn't believe this was my career that I really had done it and it was going. But then there was also the stress of keeping it going. So I was just Mm -hmm. so burnt out. What I was experiencing was burnout. And I didn't really know what that meant because I hadn't, experience anything different in my life. It was always starting over again. It was starting over again, or it was starting again in my early twenties when I was getting jobs and working full-time. It was starting again as a beginner in art school. It was starting again, like in design jobs. And suddenly I was in that intermediate place and I wasn't used to just not being like a scrappy coming upper. I wasn't used to like this other level of your career where it's a little bit more like a plateau where Mm -hmm. things aren't ramping up and ramping up and it's not, you know, crushing rejections and, and every little victory you can take. It's like, it's still those things, but they kind of even out the more you do it. Right. Like, like rejection gets you, it's never nice, but you get a little bit more used to it. The more stuff you have done, because you're like, this is part of the course. It's normal. I'll still keep, get to keep doing things, but it just started so I just started feeling totally numb, not knowing what I wanted to do next, um, not knowing where to focus and just feeling overwhelmed all the time because I just had so many deadlines that I didn't have the space to even think about that. And so it was the feeling numb and empty that I started to realize I needed to take care of myself as the human, not the doing, the human being part, like not the human doing part. So I realized I had to take a step back and be like, okay, it's not normal to feel so numb about everything when everything's going so well and just constantly having the anxiety of when is the other shoe going to drop? Like Mm -hmm. my friend Tiffany Hahn says to me, like, what if there is no other shoe? But my brain just keeps thinking, oh my God, it's going to be over. And so I started just reading more self-care books or self-help books um, and realizing what I was experiencing was anxiety and depression. And I had always operated, like been really high operating anxiety person. Um, So I thought that was just like a normal state of being. And then I started talking to my friends and my husband and realizing, oh, that's like actually not normal. And it was hard because it was that anxiety that was driving me to push myself so hard to achieve all those things. And I had that fear of what if I didn't have it? Is that going to make me not achieve things anymore? Right. And all these fears that are around the stigma of dealing with your mental health. I had all of that and had to overcome all of that. And, um, 
And it was through like talking openly with my friends about, I realized so many of my friends have gone to therapy or are in therapy or have experience with antidepressants and all this stuff. And I realized all this stuff I was experiencing that I slowly had just adapted to what it felt like to be me was actually symptoms of something kind of imbalanced in my brain. And so I started seeing a therapist and I realized, oh, I've actually just been under like stress for, I don't know, 30 years. Right. (laughs) Forever. Yeah. (laughs) And it started with childhood, you know, like I am a child of immigrant parents and it doesn't start with just you, right? It starts with your ancestral history of being stressed. And when you look back to our generations having lived through like great wars and immigration and all sorts of things that many of our cultures have experienced in oppression and fear. Like we live in a time where we are actually very comfortable and free, more free than we ever have been, which is, you know, there's a lot to say about that. But as women and as a person of color, I'm more free now than I ever have been, but I still have this ancestral anxiety I carry with me that's been conditioned into my genetics that I have to actively unlearn and release. And I did that through therapy, through, you know, writing Um, through journaling for myself, through talking to friends about it and talking about our shared experiences um, and through just through acupuncture, through like everything I could basically Mm -hmm. do, I tried. And also it was because I was having a lot of physical issues. Like I had carpal tunnel, I had inflammation and all these things that doctors would be like, well, it's just autoimmune. And I was like, it can't just be that. I just... And I realized it was because I was so stressed that it was causing all these other things that made me physically unable to continue working along with the total lack of desire to anyway. And this mm-hmm. was my dream job. It wasn't going to get better than this for me to work for myself and just to paint and draw and write and be in this position where my first book did so well after it had been rejected for so long. And then I get to do whatever I want now, like basically not I get to do whatever, but like people are actually listening to what I have to say. And I'm so excited to have this platform and yet I felt nothing for it. And so I was like, all of these things, something is. Something's got to give. Yeah. And so I kind of took all last year to take a step back and really address all these things with myself. Well, good for you. I think it's, you know, I think it's even Mental Health Awareness Month. It is. I I know. So it's a good topic. And you're right. I mean, I hear so many of my friends, like I know, you know, big, big Instagrammers, you know, with like a gazillion followers that like right now are like having some sort of illness or sickness. It's all like brought on because of stress, you know, they're Mm -hmm. all like stress induced things and we all go through that like you're saying when things are going well I'm like convinced I'm terminal with something like yeah. you know what I mean like yeah. what why should I plan for next Christmas I'm probably not gonna be there oh my God. you know I yeah. mean you know or whatever yeah. you know we all just like ruminate and do that so I think the more we all talk about like no we all do that and there's ways to not do that and yeah you know, get in tune with like, you could genuinely be happy for the good things that are happening to you. So yeah, like just being truly present and mindful is such an exercise to get used to. Mm -hmm. Like our brains are wired to constantly be surviving, right? So we're thinking about the next thing and we're worrying about the worst case scenario because we have a negativity bias kind of built in. But 
we have we can change that. We can actively rewire our brains and acknowledge and be like, okay, I see you, anxiety. I see all your fears, but also what if the best thing could happen too? Not just mm-hmm. the worst thing. <laughs> exactly. Flip it around. See, I'm an Enneagram seven, so I'm always doing that. Oh. I'm always I'm always like, but you know what? If that happens, then maybe this and this and this will happen. And that's even better. Like I'm a constant like turn that frown upside down. I love even how when positive I shouldn't. you are. <laughs> Sometimes to my own fault. But no, exactly. <laughs> everybody should everybody should be on board with that. Like the world would be a happier happier place all around. I am. Yeah, I totally agree. And just having more sevens around would be nice too. I'm a four. So that just means I'm very, very emotional. (laughs) Right. Oh, okay. I'm I'm glad you know that because that's coming up in our lightning round. Oh, okay. Are you excited for the lightning round? I've never done this with anyone, but since we were talking woo-woo, I was like, I'm going to go lightning round. It kind of got started because do you have Netflix? Yeah. Do, have you seen Chambers on there yet? It's got no. like Uma Thurman and Lily Taylor. No. Should I watch it? I'm not saying watch it or don't watch it. I watched the whole thing just because I got so far in that I was like, I just can't stop. But like I was describing it to my sister yesterday and I was like, she's like, what's it about? I was like, it's like a Scientology seance in Sedona gone <laughs> bad. Like, so it's like huh. everything. Okay. I mean, there's like there's like crystals, there's aura photography, there's like burning people with sage. Like it's like, it's like woo woo meets the exorcist. Like I, it, anyway, okay, but I have to check it out. <laughs> I'm intrigued. It made, it made me think of these lightning round questions. So you can, you can answer with as long or as short or a yes or a no question with these. You ready? Yes. One, have you ever charged a crystal? Yes. Yes. Okay. Are you like a moonlight or a special kind of water girl? Um, I do it with moonlight. I will cleanse with water or um, uh, sea salt. Good to and know. Okay. Yeah. Liking it. Okay. So sage or is it Palo Santo? Yeah. Palo Santo for sure. I, I know. do I, not like the smell of sage. Oh, really? Yeah. I know the other one smells so good. I like it. I just have my little stick next to me sometimes yeah. and puff it. Yes, I have a bracelet that has a Venturing and Palo Santo on it, and I just smell it sometimes. Right? Just yeah. sit there and like huff yourself. Like, yeah. oh, it just so smells good. so good, and I'm a big believer in whatever smells good to you is what you want, like what your body needs. Oh, well, that's an interesting theory. I haven't I haven't thought of that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. All right, so guided or unguided meditation? Guided. Okay, I've just gotten on the guided meditation bandwagon myself. I'm liking it. Um, what's your sign and do you read your horoscope? I'm a Scorpio, so of course I do. <laughs> <laughs> I like that answer. Yeah. I know part of me being an Enneagram 7 is I'm a Libra, so I'm always like, but what about this? Yeah. It could be this. I don't know. what. It, this is another option. Oh, my gosh. So. I'm so into astrology. I'm actually a Scorpio with a Virgo rising and an Aries moon. So I'm just so you're, intense. You are, intense. <laughs> you are like, you're, you're answering one of my next questions, oh, okay. which is, have you ever asked your parents to look at your birth certificate so you could know your exact birth time for the CoStar app and Akasha <laughs> greeting or <laughs> to know your rising sign? Um, I just already knew my birth time. I don't, I don't know why I just already did. So yes. <laughs> 
see and I don't know mine and like my dad won't like he's like I don't know where your birth certificate is I'm like do I even exist like <laughs> my husband what if- that too they don't and he's the third kid so his mom is like I don't know sometime in the afternoon <laughs> right exactly right, like you know, I'm, I'm the just first like kid, so my mom was like you were born at 1255 a.m <laughs> right I know, your my- date. <laughs> I know when my kids were born it's like geez yeah um Okay, so do you own a copy of The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron? Yes. Of course, yes. Do you love it? Yes, I still do the morning pages, actually. That helped me get back into my writing practice. I, you know, I just in the last year have started it, you know, and so many like self-help people talk about journaling, you know, which is just the morning pages. And I enjoy a good brain dump in the mornings. Yes. I honestly kind of fell out of journaling for a while, I think, because I was so focused on becoming a competent artist um, that I just was like, I'm not writing or doing anything extra with my hand that I don't need to. But then I've kind of gone back into it because everyone, yeah, like you said, everyone talks about journaling as a great way of release and working through your mind. I also think like when I die, these are going to be so embarrassing. Right. (laughs) And so I made my husband promise to just throw them all away or burn them all. Never. Some people do. Like I know more than one person that literally writes them every day, crumples it up and throws it out. Really? I mean, honestly, when I look back at my, because I've been journaling since I could write. Um, So I have journals from when I was really young to high school to college. And I recently found one where from when I was studying abroad um, in college. And I remember that time so wonderfully now but when I read through those journals, I had so much anxiety being away from home for the first time in my life, living in a foreign country. I was 19, mm-hmm. like all these anxieties that I totally forgot about. And it was kind of nice to have both because, you know, you look back with rose colored glasses, but then you look back to the present. You're like, oh, it was a struggle the whole time, too. So that's what life is. So I could just release the struggle because either way, right? you know, it's going to turn out fine. Exactly. And this may seem like it sucks now, but in 20 years, I'm going to think it was an awesome time. So it doesn't exactly, <laughs> Exactly. So I keep them all for now, but I... I, I have mine too. Yeah. But I'm just... Anytime my daughter like kind of gets nosy with them, I'm like, put that down. Yeah. Well, Don't look at that. It's just like, sometimes it's just a place you want to vent, right? And once mm-hmm. you vent, you really release it. Or sometimes you just want to write a letter to something. Like for me... I'll get stuck in time loops in my memory of something that happened that I can't change. And I'm happy with my life now. But for some reason, my brain gets stuck there. Like, why did I do that? Or what was that awkward experience about? And sometimes I'll just write a letter to that person that I would obviously never send. And that Mm -hmm. releases that too. And so, yeah, but it's like the angry email you never send. Exactly. It's like, there is so much, there is so much, um, in writing that you can release and get in touch with. Like you write, sometimes in my morning pages, I write my way to how I'm really feeling underneath all the like overwhelm and exhaustion mm-hmm. and fear and the fear speaking, which, you know, comes from the shadow side that I talk about a lot in Legendary Ladies um, or How to Be Legendary mm-hmm. because that was a huge revelation for me about like all the things that we fear or all our insecurities and jealousies are all coming from inside us about something we're not embracing about ourselves, either because mm-hmm. it was something someone told us when we were young, and then it was became a truth about ourselves that we tell ourselves, or it's just something that, I don't know, for some reason we conditioned into our own brain, and it all comes from this fear of lack or fear of not being good enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I, I like that part in there. It was very, like, Freudian, it, Jungian. It is. I was, 
you know, I, I like I said, I got my, I got my psych degree. Both of my parents are psychologists. Yeah. I minored in philosophy, so I was like, mm-hmm, girl, you talk about that shadow side. I, I know love it. it. It's like the more you embrace it, the more powerful you are because you're untouchable, right? Because right, you're not yeah. afraid of anything. Exactly. No, I, I was fist pumping with that part. <laughs> so I think you obviously, if you're going to have your own set of oracle cards, you've had your tarot cards read. I have. Yes or no? Yes. You have. Okay. And we know that you know your Enneagram number. Have you, like, did you just, like, take an online thing? I took, like, yeah. a weekend-long workshop. Wow. Yeah, I just okay, took what? the online thing. Okay. I think I was a four what? with, like, a three rising or something like that. Wing. Is that what it's called? Uh-huh, the wing, I think, okay. is what they're called. Like, Enneagram's the wing, rising, or the, the astrology things. So is there an altar currently set up in your house somewhere? I do have one in my studio that has, like, my manifestations or... Um, yeah, my manifestations for the year um, and my like pyrite, aventurine, giant citrine, Her- Herkimer diamond. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, so I do have sure that in my studio. I actually manifested my husband with a crystal too, which Uh-oh. I tell him all the time. Um, but this was before I even really got into it. It was like a long time ago when I was in college. Um, there was like a fair going on and I was talking to this lady who had like a jewelry crystal booth and I was like, how do I, you know, manifest a, a good man basically. (laughs) And she was like, okay, do tell, get this rose quartz, you know, the, the crystal for love and then put it like, make a list of all the things that you want in your ideal partner. And then, you know, meditate with your crystal and put it next to a image of the kind of like that gives you the feeling for the love that you want. So I like found a photograph from a magazine of this like couple and I put the crystal over it. And then I met my husband, like, I don't know, two months later, I didn't know that he was going to be my husband at the time, but he was everything on my list. And, and we've been together for 13 years. (laughs) So I tell him all the time, I manifested you, your mother may have given birth to you. But, but I manifested you. to me. I love it. You should have had like rose quartz in your wedding ring. Oh, that would have been sweet. You know what? Your 15 year anniversary is coming up. Yeah. Go ahead and put that. If you're listening, husband, that's what she needs for her 15 year wedding anniversary. It's a big one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So what about numerology? Yes, no, or don't make me do math. I'm not super into numerology, I think, because of math. But at the same time, I will still do it in my brain. I don't know why. Like, like for our wedding, for example, um, we were supposed to get, there's a lot of superstition in my family just because there's a lot of superstition in Chinese culture as well. And we had picked a wedding date. I wanted to get married in September. My mom was like, there are no good September Saturdays to get married this year. And I was like, well, I don't care. That's, you know, whatever. And so we booked our venue, started booking stuff. And like a year, so we were planning our wedding like two years out because we were saving to pay for it. And so a year into it, our venue calls us and says, your date is double booked we have to, you have to move yours to another date and we'll give you the venue for free. And I was like, really mad at first, but then I was like, well, for free. Okay. (laughs) And so we moved it to August 17th, which was the, um, soonest to our original date. And then I look back on it. I'm like, Oh, and I told my mom and I said, don't say anything. Don't tell me anything. You, you made it happen (laughs) by telling me. And, but now I look back and I'm like, Oh, eight, eight, 
eight is a lucky number because it's like the infinity sign. And so I'm like eight and then one and seven is eight. And I was like, so, you know, I do that in my brain. I don't know if uh-huh. that's proper numerology, but there's a little bit of my own superstition with it. And then, right. you know, I have my lucky numbers that I see recurring in my life, but I don't re- like, I don't know what my number is. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're like going and buying lottery tickets based on it, but you're like, yeah. I see that number popping up again and again. Yeah. And to me, that feels like I'm on the right path in my life. Yeah, no, I agree. I see those numbers. Like I kind of went down a deep dive about that, like looking at like what all those numbers mean once, but then I don't know. I never, I never went the full way. And like you with numerology, I tend to be like, well, what does that mean? If I add this number to this number to this number, like I just keep adding until it, you know, adds up to something I wanted to add up to. And I'm like, yeah, see, there it is. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So I'm like, eh. I know it's kind of how I am. Like it's still fun. Like I'll still add it to my repertoire of woo woo. But yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not holding a lot of stock in that one. Yeah. So last question before I let you go, I ask this to everybody. It has nothing. It has nothing to do with woo woo or books or anything. Okay. But if I came to see you, where would we go for queso? Oh my gosh. Well, we would go to Home State. Tell me more. Uh, it's a. It's actually a Tex Mex place here in. Oh. Um. Here in LA that does great breakfast tacos and yes. queso that's like oh. basically all they do they don't have burritos they don't have all the other stuff so they just do those things really well I like it this is a good answer a lot of times I talk to people and they're like um we don't have queso here or <laughs> you know or if there's somebody in California they're like we get like the white queso with like artichoke in it and I'm like no 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 that's, that's different that's that's not queso what are you people talking <laughs> about <laughs> Exactly. Like just because it's white doesn't make it queso, people. Come <laughs> on. Okay. Well, good to know. Home state. And then we could go crystal shopping. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. Come on over. I love it. Well, Anne, thank you so much for joining us. And I am in love with all your books. I'm supposed to give some away. It's what I told Chronicle, oh, but I kind of, I want to keep them all for myself, like every single little bit of it. But but I'll put in the show notes how people can win some. That's I'll, awesome. I'll share I'll share the wealth. I'll share the abundance. The more you give, the more you get back. Ooh, parting words. Yeah. I like it. All right. Thank you again, Anne. Thank you so much, Jennifer. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. I've never met Anne in person, but after spending an hour chatting with her, I kind of wish we were next door neighbors so, you know, our husbands could hang out and make fun of us while we charged our crystals together in the backyard. Be like, you know, a woo-woo barbecue with your neighbors. I can't recommend a copy of Legendary Ladies and How to Be Legendary enough. The book is as empowering as it is interesting. You get to learn about all different kinds of cultures and religions, all while gazing at Anne's gorgeous, very feminine art. Be sure to check out Ann Shen at ann-shen.com. Find all of her books on Amazon or in the show notes and be sure to follow Ann on Instagram where she is Ann Danger. Don't forget to check out this week's Taco About It Tuesday interview on the Creative Queso website. This week, Jennifer Lynn of Nightly Doodles and the Rainy Days podcast stops by to talk about her life as an illustrator and a mental wellness advocate. 
Thank you again to my guest, Ann Shen, for taking the time to hang out today. Shout out to Mariah Gossett for producing this episode and Chris Beck for the music. Don't forget, if you guys love this episode, I mean, even if you just kind of liked it, please be sure to share, rate, review, subscribe, all of the things. I will love you forever and ever. This is a Creative Queso podcast with me, Jennifer Perkins. I'll see you guys next week, same time, same place. And in the meantime, you know, we can hang out all week long if you want to. And, you know, just in case you miss me when it's not Thursday, I am on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all of the places. You can find me at Creative Queso. Now, you guys excuse me while I go and manifest myself a bowl of queso because really, does this podcast make anybody else hungry or is it just me? Mm -hmm.